Good morning. Glad to see everybody out this morning. We'll be going over question 76 in Keech's Catechism this morning, continuing in the Ten Commandments. We'll be looking at commandment number seven this morning. Our question is, which is the seventh commandment? The seventh commandment is, thou shalt not commit adultery. Exodus 20 and verse 14. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to gather together. We pray, Father, that you would help us, dear God, to look into this law of yours, Father, and that you would help us, dear God, not only to understand the physical ramifications of this today, but also the spiritual ramifications of it, Father. And to be faithful to you and not to be unfaithful, Lord. We pray for your help this morning. Be with me, dear God, as I proclaim it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. A simple definition of adultery would be the unfaithfulness of a married person to the marriage bed. A man to lay down with another than his wife or a woman to lay down with another than her husband. To break the covenant of marriage by being unfaithful to one's spouse, not only in the act of doing, but by fantasizing about it as well. Fornication being very similar, but not quite the same, is an unmarried person to lay down with one another outside of the covenant of marriage. Now Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 28, but... He was speaking of the law, and he had just said in verse 27, You have heard it said that thou shalt not commit adultery. In verse 28, he says, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So it's not only the act. It's the thought process. It's, it's to look upon something that does not belong to you, that belongs to another, and to lust and desire after it. The seventh commandment requires the preservation of our own, and our, I'm sorry, of our own and our neighbor's chastity and heart, speech, and in behavior. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, would like to go over something at the end of this chapter in the beginning of chapter 7. Paul speaks of this here. Chapter 6, starting in verse 15, we'll look at 15 through 20, and we'll see that not only is it a sin against God, but it's a sin against our own bodies. In verse 15, he says, Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? So shall I take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, he said, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Verse 18, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. 
What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's speaking of two becoming one flesh here, and he's talking about the body being joined to Christ, that we're all at one. So if we join our body, we're already joined to Christ as one. And if we join our body to a harlot, we're bringing Christ into that. God forbid, Paul says in these things. Verse, I'm sorry, chapter 7, he speaks of husband and wife relationship here about how we are to interact with one another especially not defrauding one another and holding back from one another causing us to look outside of the marriage bed he says in verse one here it says now concerning the things were what you wrote unto me it is good for a man not to touch a woman nevertheless to avoid fornication let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. He's saying that we don't belong to ourselves. We are not the arbitrator of this is the way this is going to go in our relationship. No. We belong to one another. We do not belong to ourselves. In verse 5, he says this, Defraud you not one the other, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again. That Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. So we're not supposed to withhold what we're supposed to be giving to our spouses. We're not to defraud them for the simple reason right here where Paul states that Satan will not tempt you to make you look outside of the bed of marriage. First Thessalonians chapter 4, I'd like you to turn there. Paul just spoke of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 about not defrauding each other in the context of marriage. He speaks here about not defrauding your brother by going after his wife. Chapter 4, look at verse 3. He says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we have also forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. We are supposed to be satisfied with the wife or the husband that God has given us. We're not supposed to be looking outside of the bed of marriage. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, Paul
Paul instructs this young preacher, he says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, and peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. If you're not satisfied with what God has already given you, and you're looking for something else that does not belong to you, you're honestly looking at God and saying, I'm not satisfied with what you gave me. And if that's the truth in our lives, what he told Timothy here, I'm not calling on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart because I'm not satisfied with what he gave me. First Peter 3, if you turn there, Peter gives a warning here not to cause others to stumble in the way that we appear or draw attention to ourselves. In verse 1, he says, This second epistle, beloved, I write unto you, in both which I stir you up in pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets of the commandments of the apostles. And <clears throat> I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3, I think it's 2nd. I'm in 2nd Peter. My apologies. <laughs> First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of their wives. Conversation meaning not necessarily their speech, but the way they conduct themselves. <clears throat> Verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that of the outward adorning of the plating, the hair, and the wearing of gold, or the putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of a great price." certain I think you possibly have the wrong church and maybe looking at the one up the road there <laughs> so basically what Paul is saying right I'm sorry what Peter is saying right here the woman needs to not dress in such a way to where she's trying to draw attention to herself to like, I mean, this this has been a controversial topic in the churches that I used to attend, the Independent Fundamental Baptist Circles. It was so stringent upon dress code. But they missed the point of the heart of the matter. Why are you dressing the way that you're dressing? Are you trying to draw attention to yourself? Or are you trying to draw attention to God by your dress? So in the same way the man is looking outside the marriage, when a woman dresses, let's say, provocatively, what is she actually trying to do? She's trying to draw attention to herself and not unto God. This is what Peter's trying to explain here. The seventh commandment forbids all unchaste thoughts, 
words and actions. Job 31.1 says this. Job said, I made a covenant with mine eye. Why then should I look upon a maid? If it is not mine, if God has not given me something, why should I look upon it? Because it will do nothing but cause me to sin. And this is more than just something that we do with our bodies outwardly. This, this has spiritual ramifications. Ephesians 5, if you turn there. Job said there that he made a covenant with his eyes. Ephesians 5, verse 3, Paul says this to the Ephesian church. He said, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, and walk as children of the Lord. I attended a church to where I seen in the leadership of this large church I went to that people were swapping wives. I sent my daughter to their school. This, this is darkness according to what the scripture says. They divorced and then these got married and these come together and all. It was, and I read the scripture and I'm like, man, what is going on? He said in verse 8, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Look at Romans 13. Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14, Paul gives us great instruction here not to make any provision for the, for the flesh. Verse 12, he said, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in the rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Wantonness, wa wanting something that does not belong to you. Saying, God, I am not satisfied with the spouse that you have given me. Verse 14, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans chapter 1, while we're in the book of Romans. Paul speaks about this 
this lust that he just talked about in Romans 13, this desire, this lust, not to make any provision for it whatsoever. Verse 22 through 27 here, we'll see God's judgment against this. He says in verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. He's talking about sexual misconduct right there. Verse 25, it says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever and ever. And amen. They looked at lust upon men and women and they worshiped them instead of the Creator. They wanted the desires of their flesh. They wanted to expand. They wanted to be free to do whatever their heart so desired. Verse 24 says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse 26, After they had did these things, it says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working, which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves to do recompense of their error, which was meat, which was deserving. Sexual misconduct, adultery, fornication, we, we see it in our society today. We see the LGBT community marching with pride and half nakedness on TV in front of children and everything, just lewd darkness. And they demand that we accept them. The Word of God says, no, come out from among them and touch not the unclean thing. There's so many churches in our nation today that are affirming this behavior. That is not the way our God has designed it. It is adultery. It is fornication. It is not wholesome. It is not pure. If you would, turn to the book of Hosea. God speaks of this in a spiritual sense. The book of Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, look at verse 6. Probably a familiar verse to you. It says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I, God, will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I also will forget thy children. 
As they were increased, so sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity. They want their sin. They want their lusts. They don't want their God. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people ask counsel at their stocks, in other words, in bonds. And their staff declared unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to error, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. To leave God's ways, to disobey his laws, to disrespect him when he says to do something and not to do it, he calls it whoredom. You're whoring with other gods instead of me. It's a spiritual adultery. Verse 13, he says, They sacrifice on the tops of the mountains and burn incense upon the hills under the oaks and poplars and elms because the shadow there of good. Therefore your daughters shall commit whoredom and your spouses shall commit adultery. Now, under these groves, under these oak trees, you read a lot in the Old Testament about Ashtoreth, the worship of Ashtoreth and Ashtoreth poles and everything like this. These were sexual orgies that they were conducting under these trees. What God forbid them to do. Thou shalt not commit adultery. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 it says that for I am a jealous over you with a godly jealousy. Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, he said, For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And he wasn't necessarily talking about sexual misconduct at this point. He was talking about going after other gods, not listening to the voice of Yahweh. going off to listen to vain talk, vain preaching, lies that were not the truth of God's word, going into false doctrines and false religions. The Bible speaks of this as spiritual adultery. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let's look back there. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I would say for the most of us, we have not done this outwardly, physically, but none of us could say that we have not done it in our minds at some point in our lives. Paul says this, look at verse 9. He says, Know ye not that the, righteous, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, meaning homosexual, 
nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But praise be unto God, look at verse 11. Did you fit in this list at one time in your life? I know I did. Jimmy posted this on Facebook this morning. And such were some of you. But you're washed. But you're sanctified. But you're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let's close with one more verse. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 again. 